episode is being recorded on April 4th, 2020. We have a Mercury-Neptune conjunction today, and I am going to be talking with one of my very good friends, Taylor Appalachia, about, um, I'm sure, various things, Um, but we'll be starting off talking about her recent paper for grad school um, that centers around the experience of God. And Taylor and I have been friends for a few years, and we um, share a lot of the same ideas and feelings around this, so who better to talk to about it? Um, She's incredibly talented and insightful, and um, yeah, I'm just excited to share her with anybody who happens to be listening to this. On the third page of your paper... You wrote, when I talk about God in specific ways, I often fret I will be misunderstood and that my words and ideas will be missed. I'm not, quote, religious. I wouldn't even claim the term spiritual necessarily. I just am. I live. Life happens. And that's magic enough. And that's why I asked you if your Neptune was in Capricorn, because that... Is Neptune and Capricorn to me? Yeah. To like tie astrology into it, but it's just like those things aren't as far away. No, not at all. Yeah, it, it's all the same thing. It's just waiting for us. It's it's not really waiting for us. I think it's just like it's just there and like. <sighs> do you like get a chance to happen upon that reality? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost kind of... I've never watched Alice in Wonderland or read it, but from what I've heard of it, it just reminds me of how Alice kind of stumbled into that world. Yeah. Like, accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, does... Do you ever, like, get to notice that the mis- the magic, heaven, and all of that earth mundanity, none of it is separate. All mm-hmm. of it is here. It's just, like, a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's, like, where I've, I mean, obviously, like, we feel the same way about these things, but I feel that way about, like, I've never been able to reconcile why certain, um, I guess it's true of any religion, but definitely Christianity, like, certain um, parts of Christianity, like, reject the body and reject anything material and reject you know, like, the importance is never what's here and now. It's always like, oh, well, after you die. And I'm like, but you're here. <laughs> and it's like, the same, you know, it's the, the same argument can be used for, like, taking care of the earth. Like, this is your responsibility. It's like, if you always wait on something that's supposed to happen later, then you're missing everything. Like, what's the point? Yeah, I think, I'm not sure, like, where that line of thinking originated with, like, the heaven and hell being these, like, destinations, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's really unfortunate because, as you're kind of saying, like, it just misses the entire point that, like, what Jesus is talking about is just pointing us to everything that is here and just pointing us to, like, it's here. Heaven's here. You don't have to die and, like, neglect your life or what's around you. And that's, like, that's what's such a relief is that, like, the sacred isn't something that you've got to wait for. Like, Mm -hmm. everything 
it's all magic. Like it's all yes. right here. It's all here. Like you don't have to abandon anything. And like that permission quote, I guess, that it gives to like count yourself as sacred and count like the earth as sacred mm-hmm. is like it gives you this like opportunity to really enter into this um, yeah. instead of just waiting for something else to emerge that like you wouldn't even be prepared for anyway (laughs) dormant yeah yeah well that I like went back and forth about the name for this because I knew all along I wanted to call it practical magic but I was like but that's not people aren't gonna know what that means like it's not about like how you know how to do this or how to become this it's like no it's here it's here and it's not this abstract thing and I didn't get that until a couple years ago and I think not many people do no well if you don't like experience life like if you're not really like and I don't mean this in like a condescending or judgmental way I mean this in the most gentle neutral way but like when you're not present when you're not just here what the fuck can you really see like, mm-hmm. what is there to really encounter? It's just, like, life in your head, and, like, you miss everything. So, mm-hmm. of course. I There's a lady that I go to in outside of Asheville that does, like, energetic work. Um, and I usually go see her on my birthday, which obviously this year is not happening. <laughs> Everything is canceled. Um, But I started going to her, I think maybe a year before my Saturn return or two years before my Saturn return or something, but I've gone every year. And last year, I think it was, um, you know, we always catch up and she's like, oh, what's been going on? How do you feel? Da, 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 da. And I was like, well, I, something clicked. And I was like, I don't have to reach anymore. And she understood what that meant. But I was like, I'm not like I for years thought that there was this thing that was separate from me and apart from me. And I have to like yearn for it and reach for it and try to make it happen. And then it's like, no, it's just there. It's almost like you have to get out of your own way to see it. Yeah, and I think ultimately, like, all of that reaching reminds me of Emily Dickinson's poem that I'm not going to say verbatim, and I'm sure as hell not going to pull it up, but it's something along the lines of, I'm out, like, I'm out with, like, search dogs and, like, lamps, like, looking for myself, Mm. and, um, yeah, I think, like, all of that reaching out is just this misguided, like, trying to reach for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, it's like a relief. Of course. And you're like, oh, it's not... I mean, it is out there, but out there is in here. Like, it's all the exactly. same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, out there is in here. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, I guess that's not very marketable. Um, because, oh God, I was reading, yeah, I was reading Wendell Berry the other day because I'm always reading Wendell Berry because I love him. Um, he's a Leo. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder, like, Leo is just so great. Like, 
sorry, just pause for a second. No, you're fine. <laughs> Amber gets like a lot of like, Cancer wouldn't happen if it weren't for Leo. Like, the things that Cancer's trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. like, Leo does the thing. Like, yes. it moves into the function. Like, mm-hmm. thank God we've got Leo so that we can express ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway. Well, and, and I mean, I've met my share of, like, not great Leos, but that's true for every sign. And I haven't looked at his chart because I don't even know what time he was born, but... Um, yeah, no, Leo, when it's, like, very um, embodied, it's so great. And they're, like, the best, just most, like, heart-centered people and not in, in an abstract way. Which is essentially all I feel like you and I ever talk about is, like, embodiment. <laughs> it's like, no, get in there and you do the work. <laughs> and then you realize that, like, it's not, like, it's even what we were saying earlier about language like language kind of fucks it up because all of these words have been so overused that they don't mean anything anymore and somebody says like spiritual it's like eh, like <laughs> because it just feels and then it sucks because how else do you talk about it right yeah, what other language is there for? And it's tedious to always have to invent a new language to get away from another one that's hijacked the meaning that you are trying to express. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and language, like we were saying, like it's just a tool, but it often gets mistaken for the thing itself, which, like, going back to the whole God thing, like, it's so difficult to talk about God because, like, you don't mean the word God, and you don't right. mean it. You don't mean like all of like the historical like riffraff like you don't mean that whole dialogue that whole debate um like you it, it really does stand outside of like what language can accomplish and even like when it comes to talking about god or talking about magic or anything like the things that transcend language kind of expose language for what it really is which as we were saying is just a pointer yes a symbol yeah a symbol for another thing yeah and that's the only way i mean i I mean other than art but even art is an abstraction in a sense it's like language is i guess the most concrete way that we have to share or describe you know so like we have to do it but um, it do, it limits things. Like I remember years ago when I did my yoga teacher training, which now feels like a lifetime ago, and maybe it was. You're so different. I know, and I mean, and I loved it, and it was such a good time, and I still love yoga, even though I don't teach anymore. But like, I left that community for the same reasons of like, it's all language, it's all, it's not embodied, but um. But there were older ladies in our group, and they were pretty religious, and they were so sweet, but they were, like, having this conflict of, like, oh, can I do this mantra? Is yoga, like, um, is something about this going against what I already believe? And everybody went around the room and kind of, like, shared their perspective, and I was like, I get why people want to put God in a box, because it's easier 
and it's less confusing and it's you can hold it and I was like I I mean but that's not God like no well and I mean like it's all that anyone has been taught of God it's all that like it's the only eyes people have to see with Mm -hmm. because like what Christianity like as it is practiced like most widely the thing that it does is like because it's so dogmatic that like version of it Mm -hmm. it cuts people off first from their own experience which is the real like tragedy of it is that like the quote gospels like all of that is just calling us back to ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we can experience life as the ordinary mundane practical magic like heaven Mm -hmm. is now kind of thing because that's reality Mm -hmm. like and anyway yeah putting god in a box just puts yourself in a box and you don't even have like limbs anymore to reach out Mm -hmm. for like the other things like you have like no more modality no more you don't have like an imagination for anything outside of that it like limits your experience exactly yeah yeah it's it's hard to like articulate (laughs) obviously (laughs) (laughs) yeah um did you ever like find yourself saying that to them like just out in the open saying what you just told me well yeah I mean that's essentially what I what I said is like I you know I don't want to put God in a box but I understand why it makes it easier because trying to even if you don't put God in a box like trying to comprehend just just being a human is so overwhelming that it's like of course you who wouldn't want a prepackaged black and white you know five-step program to know the universe great but that's not that's not it <laughs> I feel like a lot of people like don't even get the choice of it being easy like ideologically it's so bread like especially in the south like especially mm-hmm. in the south like the bible belt where we're from like mm-hmm. people don't even have like the awareness to realize that it's all set up like mm-hmm. that it's all just kind of like ready and available and instant like processed processed religion yeah kind of. like that's I a great like- way to put it I love that Thank you. I think, I think like it is easier to do that. And I think that like people don't even have a choice for it to be easy. Like it would be especially easy if people even knew that there was a different way. But Mm -hmm. I feel like, again, like that dogma that like is the initial experience, like that's why deconstruction can become so like important and reminds me a lot of like, Peter in the book of Peter or whatever the whole like work your work out your own salvation with fear and trembling mm, like yes just, like, just work it out yourself yeah like, <laughs> I, I feel like I I could have said something like that feels more precise to what I feel at another time but like I, I'm losing my train of thought now uh <laughs> <laughs> Neptune <laughs> 
Well, it, I, I think thinking, it's so, it's a hard thing to articulate. Like you can't say, you can't tell people right off the bat, like, Hey, did you know that you're God? Like you can't, you can't, that's how cults happen. Like you can't just jump in that way. But I think, and, and I always, the way that I sort of came to this realization myself was through like a relationship with like earth and land and, and things like that. It's like, well, if you think that God is not only outside of you, but responsible for everything, then you're abdicating your responsibility because you just assume that sky daddy is going to come save you. Like, yeah. And that's not true for like every religion, like other, you know, we're basically talking about Christianity in this conversation. Like other religions have more complex pantheons and things like that. But yeah, it, that's what bothers me about people thinking it's the separate thing is because it's like, not only do you, you're missing a piece of yourself, but you're missing like your role to play in all of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I was thinking while you were saying that I was remembering this time I was in Houston and one of my housemates was like talking about God and how she was wondering if God wanted her to do this or to do that. And I, I just said straight up, like, I don't think God is a control freak. I think that we just like, I think that we just put that onto God because it's like, number one, what we're taught to think. And because like Alan Watts is the two hands of God, um, mm -hmm. like we're just projecting ourselves mm -hmm. outside of us because we don't, we haven't, we don't know how to like hold these things for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know how to like take responsibility for our own lives. We don't even know that we have that option a lot mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah. It's like finding that sense of, I, I think that's a struggle too, is like finding your sense of agency while also knowing that you can't control everything. Right. Which is probably why I love astrology so much because it's like, okay, you know, I know this, this, and this, and yet I can't control, you know, all I can do is try my best. That's all anybody can fucking do. Right. But that's why, like, I love all the um, correlations between, like, Old Testament God and Saturn. Yeah. And Old Testament God and New Testament God are very different. <laughs> Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I just kind of look at it as like myth, you know, like like stories to to anthropomorphize lessons, um, and and that doesn't for me personally that doesn't like take the magic out of it to think that maybe it did, you know, maybe this thing didn't actually happen and yet I can glean certain things from it. But I like the, um, I think Old Testament God is very Saturnian in that like people had to make all these sacrifices and you had to understand like you couldn't, like the story of Job, like you can't always get what you want. All you can do is just, I guess, keep trying, which sounds 
like a wooden painted sign that would be on somebody's living room wall like yeah. you know like it's not a live laugh love thing but it's just um you can't you can't there are larger forces than you that you can't control but that doesn't mean that you don't have agency over yourself if that makes right. sense right yeah you can still choose how you respond right yeah yeah um but that's responsibility is, and it's very hard <laughs> it can be until you realize that you can do it until that's the gift of saturn is that it gives you back your dignity hopefully mm -hmm. um it helps you see that you can do the hard stuff mm -hmm. it helps you see what you're made of um and i mean that's like what's interesting about the placement in the chart is like where particularly that like applies is like what like I'm losing my train of thought again but I think you know what I'm talking yes. about yes <laughs> Saturn where it is in your chart it, it's like an important like it's like a calling like this is yeah. what you do this is what's possible for you but you have to like learn to do it. Yeah. I think the only reason I love Saturn so much is because A, mine is in Capricorn, and B, it's in my first house. So. Well, I, and I think that, I think that can be applied too to the whole house system because mm -hmm. you're, to the whole sign system because like the, the second house of like resources and self-esteem, like Saturn mm -hmm. being there and you being like, I'm responsible for myself. Yeah. It totally works with that too. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought about it that way. It's funny. I have um, a client uh, who we have similar charts, um, just only it, like we have a very similar ascendant and stuff. So the chart, the planets are mostly in different places, but like the, the charts are structured the same. Um, and she has Saturn in the second and is really bad with money <laughs> and i'm like we really need to work on that saturn stuff <laughs> what are the aspects maybe you shouldn't say but um i can't remember off the top of my head i just well uranus in the first but also in capricorn um we have the same well her saturn is somewhere else because she's younger than me so uranus and um Anyway, the, but the, with the Placidus system, hers falls specifically in the second house instead of the first. Mm -hmm. So it's just like interesting to see, like I always go back and forth between whole sign and Placidus, depending yeah. on like where the planet is, like how close to the cusp it might be. But um, yeah, it was just something that I noticed through just through our interactions, like you're, you need to work on that second house Saturn. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and thankfully, like she'll get there. Hopefully. I mean, like Saturn always has that like gift once, mm -hmm. once it's like all gone through, it's just delayed as we know, Saturn likes to delay things, make you work for it. Yeah. But I, um, I, I like that. I, I don't hate that archetype of God either I see I don't think that's the only archetype but I don't I'm a tough love person so I thrive un under that 
Like, and, and I think God, it makes me think of Young's work, like God isn't just light and and love and everything's beautiful. It's like, no, God is also fucking terrifying, but it's both, you know? Yeah. I, I want to, I, there's like two things that I want to go to, and I really want to go back to this Old Testament God and New Testament God, because, mm-hmm. I mean, with the Saturn, oh my God, <laughs> with, the, with the Saturn stuff, like Old Testament could be like Saturn and Capricorn. Yeah, like, oh yeah. Saturn and Capricorn, and the New Testament God is Aquarian. Sa- yes. Aquarian Saturn, but, um, okay, I'm curious about why you love like the tough love stuff but I also just am dying to articulate this thing that I just I feel like I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate it precisely as precisely Mm -hmm. as I want to but you were talking about like the Old Testament God Mm -hmm. being like this like tough love God of like sacrifice and can you just like repeat a little bit of what you said about that well I like um I appreciate it in the sense that, like, you have to earn certain um, certain things. It's like it's not like these things are just freely given. It's like here's your opportunity, but it always requires work and it requires sacrifice, which, in my view, is um, has a lot to do with balance. Like yeah. everything, um, balance and reciprocity versus thinking which is my it's probably a whole other conversation but that's my beef with a lot of like modern spirituality is this this very like oh I'm owed these things I you know I deserve a new car you know things like that that's very it's just entitled and I'm like maybe it's my Saturn and Capricorn talking but I just feel like um reciprocity is is very it's important to me but it's also like Um, with the Old Testament God stories, like, you, oh, the words, (laughs) finding the words, um, challenge inevitably breeds strength. Yes. And that's what I like about it. And you're an Aries, so yeah, (laughs) you know, I love a good fight. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think, like, I appreciate that view, like, what you're talking about. And I'm, like, of course, there's so many ways to come at it. Like, Mm -hmm. the Old Testament God, I view that so much as, like, this, like, I, I view the Bible just in general, and especially, like, the Old Testament as, like, they are myths, and they're, like, accounts of, like, what people thought was how they experienced divinity and what they thought of it and how they constructed life around it. So mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's obvious to you and I, um, but I think like old Testament God and like that wrath and that anger, like is so much this projection of our shame yes. and like our shame and our thinking that we like, similarly, you were saying like, we think that we're owed. And I also think that like there's another side to it of like we think that we have so much to compensate and make up for Mm -hmm. which kind of like feeds into that egoic like I'm entitled to this because that that still is like a compensation of like I'm Mm -hmm. entitled 
image of myself so that I can compensate for how fucked up and like bad I feel yeah so like old testament god is like the sacrifices all of that which I don't think like was ever asked of it's just like this guilt of and this like reaching out like I feel like that whole like that whole thing generally speaking is just this reaching out for ourselves Mm -hmm. and some kind of connection Mm -hmm. um so it's yeah well it I just thought of that because we were talking about like Saturn Capricorn Old Testament God Saturn and Aquarius New Testament God but the New Testament is so different because not that everybody reads it this way but it's like how to embody God yes yeah so it's like realize that you are that yeah 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 I don't, I don't think that a lot of people want that, though. Like, um, I mean, egomaniacs, for sure. It's like, oh, I'm God, great. But, I mean, the responsibility of thinking um, that someone else is going to take care of all of these things. You know, like, like, if you walk past a homeless person and you think, well... Somebody else will talk to him. Somebody else will give him money. But everyone else thinks that too. Like, you know, so it's just, um, yeah, if that makes sense. I think, I think the embodiment component of the New Testament and of Christianity in general is lost on a lot of people, which sucks because I feel like, granted, I wasn't raised... I mean, my parents are not particularly religious. I went to a Methodist church sometimes with my Nana, and Methodist is, like, super chill. So I don't have that baggage that most people from the South do. And it makes me sad because I'm like, Christianity is beautiful. Yes. If you, you know, I guess experience it the right way. Yeah. It's kind of like if you cook it the right way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, tell me more about why you think, like, people don't want to accept that. Because then your life is your problem. Mm. And, And the world is your problem. And that's a, that's a lot to deal with. And I think in relation to just, like, the um, personal responsibility is difficult for everybody, and I get that, but I think the the existential crisis that falls on your shoulders if you either have no religion at all or, or no, like, spiritual concept of the bigger picture, if you don't have that and you don't... Um, Oh, Neptune is really fucking me up right now. <laughs> just take our time. We'll just take our time. Yeah. Um, so if if you don't have like a way to relate, you know, if you don't have a way to like find your place in the bigger picture, then the bigger picture like eats you. Like Saturn. Saturn eats his children. <laughs> But it's like trying to cope with the responsibility of 
life in general and then multiply that by like the world like if we all if we all were um integrated enough to understand our responsibility then the light then the world would be a much better place I think too responsibility wouldn't be such a burden because you would realize that you have the strength to match up to what your responsibility is Mm -hmm. yeah I think like capitalism not I don't think that it's the only thing but something that I really notice about it is how especially like in places where like you've got all of your amenities and there's so many resources uh, like supposed resources like Mm -hmm. you you kind of like lose touch with what you're capable of oh like yeah yeah you lose like you don't know how to cook for yourself and I'm saying this so generally speaking but like I guess I'm gonna maybe we can kind of like swim here with Wendell Berry yes but like like, since I think I think you'll relate here because we're both from like the country but like what I've noticed with living in cities is that anytime I tell someone, not anytime, but lots of times when I tell someone like where I'm from and that it's a rural area, yada, yada, there can be this response of like, oh, you know, like it must be so backwards. And like, I can see why you would leave a place like that. And I've noticed like in city spaces, like there's this idea that people from rural areas don't like don't know how to do anything and aren't quote cultured but i think that people from rural areas know how to do shit Mm -hmm. a lot of us know how to make our clothes a lot of us know how to cook how to grow food like we we can like we're a lot more like resourced because we've got like our dignity like we're aware of what we're capable of and we know how to do it but in spaces like that like don't have that that have everything kind of there and it's Mm -hmm. just you go when you buy it Mm -hmm. and especially you know especially when you've got the resources for that you don't do all of this yourself Mm -hmm. like you you kind of like have this you just go to sleep in those areas i'm not saying this the way that i would i know what you mean though yeah like your dignity is gone and every time you remember like and teach yourself how to do something for yourself it's like oh like i don't have to rely on someone for this Mm -hmm. and that's the thing like people just like the city mentality like this mentality of the city is like people from rural areas are small-minded and like stupid essentially like Mm -hmm. it's really classist and like it's I'm trying to get to a point here, but like, I think that rural people from rural spaces, because of the experience of not having all of that at hand all the time, mm-hmm. like have to drive an hour, 30 minutes, wherever to go get something like we get out and about and a lot of people <laughs> live in, who live in the city, never leave the city and then mm-hmm. say that like, we're the ones who don't go anywhere and don't know anything. Mm-hmm. So this is like, you know, I'm a little bitter about that. Sometimes. No, I, I, I agree. And I had these ideas when I was younger of like, Oh, I want to go live in New York city because of what I had seen of New York city. Um, when I was younger in movies and stuff, it seemed like this artsy, like cool place. And then I actually went and was like, ew, <laughs> like, like the museums are cool, but it's so 
I, I love where I live. Like, I sincerely love it. And I, when you're talking about how, like, people, especially, like, urbanized people, um, have become so soft in a lot of ways and removed from, like, the concept of being self-sustaining. Um, I spoke to my aunts who live in a very small town in Virginia the other day, and, you know, they have their gardens, their husbands hunt, and I was like, you know, us country folk are going to be fine. <laughs> like, we got this. And so the concept of intelligence and maybe that's like a very western thing now but like the concept of intelligence as this abstract thing whereas no it's i mean what good is your fucking phd if you can't grow a potato right Do, <laughs> you're familiar with winona LaDuke, yeah i am not oh well she says something so so almost exact well her father does but she's um she's um Ojibwe okay and she does like a lot with um she's kind of like in the same like into similar stuff as like Wendell Berry but of course she's got like her own like thing about it but she's like an activist um an ecological activist all of that you'd really like her I think but she says that her father says I don't care what you know if you don't know how to grow corn. <laughs> yes, but it's true. And I love I love that like this whole catastrophe currently is highlighting that importance of like people are not as smart as they think they are. And now it's like you're hopefully much more appreciative of the people that work at the grocery store and the people that work at Wendy's so you can drive through and get food. Um, but I've been thinking so like, I don't know that nostalgia is the right word cause I wasn't there for it, but I've been thinking about the 1940s and like the world war two era of how, American culture was so different then and it had it definitely had its issues like we've never gotten it all the way right but like people were encouraged to plant victory gardens and they had to make all these sacrifices and ration meat and ration gas you know for the war effort and so now things are very similar except there isn't a war it's just like nature doing its thing and, and all these people are in a position to realize, like, oh, shit, if I can't go get pre-prepared food, I don't know how to cook for myself. Yeah. Or, oh, I can't go shopping for my spring wardrobe. You know, it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a relief. It's a relief to be able to, like, it, it can be a relief mm -hmm. for that to not matter. Um, when you were saying that people aren't as smart as they think they are, what I thought of was how, like, I think it just depends on, like, what we think smart is. And, like, yeah. quote, being smart is, like, basically, essentially, like, in a mainstream way, it's just how, how like, how do you contribute? How well does your kind of smart affirm what this culture's idea of smart is? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it reminds me of this thing I read 
um, on one of my other podcasts talking about Jupiter and Saturn, how those planets work together. And it's like Jupiter can only do what Saturn allows. Mm-hmm. And like Saturn dictates like the limits of the social culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was talking about specifically with Jupiter and Capricorn, it was like, um, you know, now you realize that the only thing that matters is what you can do for your community. Like what, like what can you tangibly do? And I think that, um, that might be like, I think we might feel relieved in this. Like I, for all of my restlessness, part of me is kind of like, this is refreshing (laughs) in a weird way to be like, well, you can't work right now. Um, and now you have time to do all these other things, but, um, it's like, I think if you don't have other things, like if you don't have other concepts of like fruitful work and contribution, then this is probably like an existential crisis for a lot of people. Like if you don't know how to work in the garden or have a garden or you don't have land or like the notion of being cooped up inside with nothing besides like the internet on a cell phone, like I would hang myself. Like (laughs) it just seems so weird, but that's what I think that's the difference in like people that are going to probably be okay with this. And then people that might like riot because they just are faced with like the limits of their life. If that makes sense. Cause it's like, there's not, um, myself included like work even though I love work it's also like in its own way a form of escapism from other things so even not having that has been it's like this very harsh confrontation with like okay what is your life really about because we don't have all these other things to do to not think about that now yeah yeah um I mean, and isn't that like so much about what Pluto is about, is about stripping down to the bare essentials of like, what is this really, like, what is really important here so that we can make something out of that? Like, I feel like that is where Pluto really, like the transformational work of it comes from is like, Mm -hmm. it tears it all down and sees like what matters and then creates out of that. It's like the rebirth comes from there. So, I mean, I feel like that's, like, a lot of where Pluto's coming in with all of this, too. And as you were talking about, like, things being important for you with, like, where you're at, I couldn't help but think of your, um, your Mars is in Aquarius, yeah? It's yeah. Your, it's your whole sign. It, that's your third house, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it makes sense. Like, I care and want to, want Mars to contribute mm-hmm. to doing to what's here, right? Yeah. Third house. Yeah. So in my community, Aquarius. And, and my, yeah, my North Node is third house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like very, is your North Node third house too? Yeah, our charts are really similar in very not similar kinds of ways. Like, I feel like they speak to each other. Oh, for sure. Well, that, I feel, yeah, I feel like um, third house, North Node stuff is like, 
you know, because the opposite is the ninth house, which is where like God might be. And that's the north, you know, having. So it's like south node and ninth is like, okay, I know that. But now I want it here. I want to bring it down and embody it. Yes. Yes. Which is so hard. Do you think so? It can be hard if you think your way there. Yeah. Well, it like my measuring stick for christ-like behavior for like embodiment of of the ninth house is my grandmother um and she she was a cancer but we both have um venus and gemini and mars and aquarius and so she familial patterns that we've been talking about yeah so she like i always admire well i admired her for so many things but she wasn't um, you know, she, she worked for the church for like 40 years, but she wasn't religious like at all. She's like, I just want to help people. And this is the easiest way for me to do it. And she would like, she ran one of their main offices downtown and people knew that they could come in there and just tell her like, Hey, I can't pay my light bill this month. And she would just write them a check. And it was never like, she didn't talk about it. She didn't, um, like my mom always tells this story of um we were we used to go to this local theater like a to see plays around christmas every year and there was a homeless guy and my grandmother like took her coat off and just gave it to him and my mom was like what are you doing you know <laughs> she's like i'll get another coat and to her it wasn't like it just that's how she was uh-huh. and so I guess that is my measuring stick and I feel like I never meet it, but it's good to always aspire to that. But I guess that is Mars and Aquarius. It's like, I don't want to, for all the abstract ways that Aquarius can materialize, I think because Mars is so physical, it's like, no, we're doing something about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which really like balances both of those out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But but that yeah that's why like I I feel sad for people who only have like an abstract relationship well it's not even a relationship if it's abstract but you know what I mean with like god or the divine or whatever word you want to tack onto it like it's not it's not lived mm-hmm. yeah i mean i feel going back to what we've been saying like that's the thing that like gets stripped away first of all is that people don't know how to trust themselves enough because they're essentially told that everything that they want and think and feel is wrong Mm -hmm. and that this dogma is right and they can't trust themselves so how would anybody really be able to enter into like their own experience of the world and themselves if they're told like you have to live vicariously through these ideas that we're giving you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have like a, I just feel, I really get why people like never get to leave that. And I don't even think like 
in many ways like it matters so much but it also doesn't matter at all like it would be really nice if everybody could experience that but it also like it doesn't say anything about anybody fundamentally you mm -hmm. know like people can't you don't know that you have a choice if you don't know what your choices are you don't yeah. have one if you don't know what the fucking choice is mm -hmm. well and i kind of feel like that's the difference between faith and dogma like regardless of the religion is like you know are you drinking the kool-aid or are you making a decision like there isn't, I feel like there's not, faith isn't real if you don't doubt it sometimes. Right. And then it becomes a choice of like returning to, you know, a belief that, you know, like us looking for the silver lining of the astrology shit show of 2020, it's like, but at the oh end of it, <laughs> like that, that is a decision. Know. That's a decision. Like I believe eventually it will be ultimately for the good. That's faith. Doesn't, it's not like to negate how terrible it is now. Yeah. But I think if yeah, you don't bit right now. If you don't like rub up against the harsh edges of life, then what is there you know, how else are you gonna find your faith in anything? Well, and what you were just saying about like the harsh edges of life, I think that we're also all under this impression that we're going to get to this destination where there are no sharp edges. And I just think that it would be really helpful if we realized that, you know, like, like in the non-human natural sector of the world where like, like every, like everybody's getting eaten or eating each other. <laughs> and that's like, it's just... It is just normal for things to be brutal and cruel. Well, that's and nature, yes. Exactly, and we think that we're a part of it, or, like, separate from it. Mm -hmm. And, like, even when people, like, oh, my God, I'm going to get on a tangent. That's fine. <laughs> this show is nothing but tangents anyway, so. <laughs> I, I just, there's this person, there's this, like, person at my school who we were talking about the hospitality paper and they were saying I think I'm gonna talk about how nature hosts us and how we're not guests like good guests and I was just like we're not nothing's hosting us like that comes from this idea that we are separate from quote nature when we very much are nature mm -hmm. and that's that like idea that we aren't nature, that we aren't animals is like so much the source of number one, us thinking that nature is like, you know, like this whole people are saying like nature is like, fuck you, you did this to me. And I'm like, but don't forget that we are nature. So in a sense, like we're kind of like nature when you consider humans as part of that is committing suicide. I oh think yeah. Interesting. That's so much more interesting than Mother Nature is just coming to kill us all because she's mad at us. It's like, no, it's more complex than that. Mm -hmm. um, but it also that kind of thinking reminds me so much of like the Old Testament God and the shame. And, right. Like this is what we get. We feel bad about all this shit that's happened. Well, we fucking should. We're terrible. <laughs> We're terrible. Well, yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I, that's, um, and I think that's probably where I 
find quote unquote God is like because my dad was so environmentally oriented and so it was like being in the woods is better to me personally than being in a church and everybody like finds that connection differently um but I also think sometimes that religion to draw a parallel there for some people is like you know we were we were in Michael's the other day and there were like shelves of plastic plants yeah and I was just like so this is like you like the idea of nature but not the responsibility of like caring for something and I feel like religion or God or whatever can be the same way like you like the idea of heaven but you don't want the responsibility of doing it now I think that Oh, what did that just bring up for me? Hold on. Um, I think, I don't even know if I'm going to get to say what I feel right now because I'm so fixed on how our Mercuries are separate, <laughs> our, our opposite, are in opposite signs. Mine is in Libra and yours is in Oh, Aries. yeah. But we yeah, talk so, so well. It's like complimentary maybe, though. Oh, that is, that is like why oppositions are not so bad is because Mm -hmm. they can really work together um but you're you're like i i've noticed um i just noticed that in a lot of our conversations um the the aries libra axis in Mm -hmm. like the ways that we think about things um i don't remember what i was gonna say though um can you repeat what you just said about the yeah so the like they like the, the idea of the, the abstraction of anything versus the reality of it. So it's like people who are like, oh, my God, I love nature. But then they buy plastic plants instead of having real plants because real plants are hard to take care of. So it's like you don't – it's still this external thing. And it's – and well, that might be a whole other conversation, but it's also like a commodity, like viewing nature or the idea of it as a commodity versus like the reality of having a, a real relationship, which can be, you know, the same can be said for anything, but to tie it back into like your paper, it's like having a real relationship with God versus buying a prepackaged version. Yeah. Well, and all I all that I'm thinking is like, that's all that most people know. All that they know is the separation itself. Mm -hmm. Like that's all that we know is that we feel so separate from quote God, from quote nature that like it, yeah, it becomes like, um, I think it's a thing that we don't really know. We generally speaking, don't know how to approach. Mm -hmm. Um, cause when you were talking about like, people don't want to do the work to, for heaven to be here. That's what you said. Yeah. 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 I think that, like, I don't even think that you need to do anything. I think, like, it takes work to get there, but not, like, not this, like, like I said in my paper, it's not, like, if you're committing to the way in order to get there, you're just going to get hooked on the practice, but you're never going to get there because you just mistake the practice for the thing itself. Mm -hmm. That's very Buddhist. (laughs) Yeah, and, well, yeah, I think, like, it's, it's, I don't think, like, I think that, for me, heaven being here is kind of, like, 
it is very hard to let go of thinking that you have to do anything like that is Mm -hmm. so unfathomable that like because my experience of that is just letting go all the way and almost becoming limp to everything that I think that I have to do or have to be Mm -hmm. it's like this undoing and then seeing like once once it's all undone just seeing what is just like it takes no work at all but the work is in detaching that takes a lot of work yes that's so funny because I'm realizing how much your and I agree with that like 100% but it's like how much of your approach is is flavored by Pluto and how much mine is flavored by Saturn (laughs) (laughs) yeah well I've got so many Pluto aspects I have and there's this also I'm also I've gotten my mind too about how my Mars is in Libra and I'm like mm-hmm. don't do shit just don't do anything oh, just sit there yeah but I mean but there's something maybe that's like to be embraced you know it is it's beautiful we're about to run out of the first segment so I'm gonna pause it and then okay. upload it and then we'll resume okay just a quick break okay so we're going to try to parse out what the ego is and, oh. and in layman's terms. And if, you know, the, the idea of having to annihilate the ego to then know God slash divinity slash whatever you want to call it. Like, do you have to either temporarily or per- permanently, like, destroy part of your well okay let's just go ahead and start with what what is the ego to you (laughs) well that's the thing it's like it's not like something like you can only define it by your own terms like all of these like people on instagram who talk about the ego and like killing it or whatever i'm like i don't think that there's like a real consensus like that's a psychological term well and it's also a term that like is used in buddhism and things like that or in christian mysticism in some places like with thomas merton's work like he talks about the false and the true selves but like i don't know i mean this whole conversation about ego is one that i wish that people would kind of let go of because it's just like a distraction like I, I don't I don't know like ego I guess if I would have to define it is just like it could be two things it's like the things that like all the constructs that you think makes you you mm-hmm. um, and it could also just be like a like your just sense of self like your personality how you're like your modality of being in the world mm-hmm. um, which is necessary thoughts? It's so necessary, but, like, I hate that it's called ego. I wish it could be called something else, like the ascendant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, I feel like when people, especially on social media, like, all the Instagram self-help gurus of the internet are like, oh, just annihilate your ego, and I'm like, that's not, A, you don't understand what the ego actually is, and, and, Secondly, it's like you destroying that is um, 
it can really be psychologically damaging because like you have to have you have to have a sense of self or you can't be a person like and I remember I think it was the first time that you and I hung out um, a couple years ago and your thing about Thomas Merton reminded me like the true self and the false self and all that and I forget exactly the context of our conversation but we were talking about that idea and you're like well it's all you like the shitty stuff is also you and instead of like trying to banish it you have to like accept it and integrate it and just be like okay you know, not as an excuse for bad behavior, but like I think trying to, de- it's denying the shadow, and like denying the shadow just makes it worse. Yeah. And I think that saying, you know, kill your ego is really just denying the shadow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like all the things that, like, when it, when it's like kill your ego, when it, when ego is used in like that light, it's like all of the things that you think that you shouldn't be, all of the feelings that you feel you shouldn't have, all like, it's just all of your shame. Mm-hmm. And because that's really what I think a lot of people just feel ashamed of, like, who they feel they impossibly are and can't get away from like it's a really just like kind of like a defeating way to look at it and um I think like I'm getting kind of like lost in my words here but I just wrote down ego is the only one who cares about ego and I think that what I'm what I'm saying there is like ego in some senses can be just this like projection of who we think we should be and right. that, that idea is the only one who really cares about the, quote, ego. Because mm-hmm. I shouldn't have ego, so I've got to get rid of ego. Mm-hmm. The, quote, ego is the one running that narrative. Right. Yeah, because the ego is the only one that can look at something and say, oh, that's, like, we can't have that. Which is more of, like, to put it in Freudian terms, is more of your super ego, not mm-hmm. your ego. Right. Well, just like, that's the thing is nobody understands. I mean, not nobody, but generally speaking, people don't actually understand what ego is. So they hear that word and they think like arrogance and pretension and facade and all of that. Right. And don't understand, like, you still have to have a sense of yourself to function in society or at all, probably. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. Like, um... Sirens downtown. It's a good time. Um, well, I, I had thoughts, but I wanted to hear what you would say about ego. Um, well, I guess I take a Jungian perspective, because that's the, that's the closest thing I've found that matches what I think in terms of, like, um, embodiment and integration. I think, like, my, my favorite quote-unquote spiritual teachers are the ones who are kind of irreverent and like funny and don't take it so seriously because they're still, they're just like, yeah, like Chogun Trumpa or Ram Dass, they admit their faults and they don't say like, oh, you're going to be perfect. It's like, no, just, just try. And it's okay if you fuck up. It's fine. Like 
it's not this, I guess it's like you were talking about earlier, like focusing on the destination. Like suddenly one day you're going to wake up and be this perfect. I mean, that just seems boring to me personally, but um, I think that I, the idea that you have to destroy your ego in order to then know quote unquote divinity is very misguided because I think my approach to it is like parts of our, e who's to say that parts of our ego and what makes us us isn't God in some way, yeah. isn't the expression of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it isn't about like, that's idealism, which in some senses, like, and I think in this case is just escapism, like to mm -hmm. attain this thing of like this image that we have, however specific it might be to an individual of perfection is to reject what you really are just which i think that like we take that really personally like on the inside like it hurts to feel like we've got to reject ourselves at all mm -hmm. um well and isn't that kind of like the fall like the initial fall like the separation from god is us rejecting ourselves oh yeah because we're ashamed it's not that god initiated the separation it's that we're just like oh i feel so bad about myself i must hide now and cover myself mm -hmm. yeah and so it's like the uncovering which goes back to what i was saying about like the undoing of like taking the fig leaves off and realizing i'm all right i had nothing to like be ashamed of or mm -hmm. to hide i think that that's what jesus is always talking about too but but yeah, like this idea of like, I will accomplish this state of perfection where I don't have quote flaws. Um, it just exposes kind of like what we think like perfection is, is to be flawless, like to not have anything touch you or irritate you or like to not be sensitive to anything, whether it's pleasure or pain, like all of that is really just sacred because it's normal mm -hmm. so like I think there's just a lot of shame just in being sensitive to life in any kind of way like people think that they must transcend these like yeah sensitivities to life they have to like transcend being human right yeah. but really it's like being human is so divine just as like it's just being mm -hmm. I feel I feel a little like abstract here. No, well, I mean, it is in the sense that like, it is one of those things that you can't give language to appropriately because it just is. And that, right. you know, in your paper, you say the whole, I am that I am. Right. And that's, yeah. Like I, st <laughs> I say that and then I'm like, how do I explain that? Like, it's just, it just, is and I think well, yeah go ahead I'm sorry. <clears throat> oh <clears throat> I'm not even entirely sure where that was going it's just like um I think it, it going back to like the the idea of putting God in a box for me is like I if somebody were to ask me do you believe in God it's like well in my sense of that word yes because I just think it's it just is. But then trying to pick that apart and, and give voice to like what that means 
is so difficult. <laughs> but for me, and that's like, I'm okay not describing it because I've had, you know, my personal experience with it. And it's just kind of a matter of fact state of the universe, which is probably why I like astrology. It's like, clearly there's some kind of force that orchestrates things, whether it's intelligent or not, whether it's, you know, has any kind of anthropomorphic tendencies or not. Like it just is. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. There was a, there's a thought that I had that I don't have anymore. Um, the whole, let's, I kind of want to try to trace it, but I am that I am. Mm-hmm. We were talking about if you have to kill your ego to know God. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, you said like the, I am that I am. And then, um, can you just like remind me of some points that you made between then and now? Um, well, I guess just like the reality of God in a way that isn't, you can't like, put hands on it you can't give words to it it just is and I think you can't um I don't know how you would know that unless you experienced it unless you bumped into that into your life yeah um it reminds me of I I think it was Lao Tzu who said it the whole like those who know don't tell and those who tell don't know Mm -hmm. and it's not even because of necessarily this whole like secret like Mm -hmm. I feel like there's this kind of like status to that like ooh I don't but but it's more of like you just can't like you Mm -hmm. don't say those who know don't say because you can't say like it's really hard to even language that well yeah because it's not I mean I guess that's why there's like no real name for God, right? Or it's the, the, in the, at least in the Jewish tradition, like you're not supposed to say the name of God and you don't know it because it's like, you can't, you can't like, it's not a thing that you can just, yeah. Yeah. That is very abstract. (laughs) And that's where the whole Yahweh comes from. Like the, it's just breath. Yes. I love that. Yeah, I do too. I love that. Because at that point, then it is just being, essentially. It is just being, and that's really sacred. I feel like all of the whole religious stuff, like especially Christianity and the way that I view it, is just trying to undo all of these narratives about what it means to be God or to be sacred and to just bring us back to, like, it's just being. Like, undoing like that whole narrative that like it's so far out there it's so separate Mm -hmm. like yeah being is a really redemptive thing like that is redemption is is waking up to like I have nowhere to go nowhere to be because everything is what it is and that is Mm -hmm. divine Mm -hmm. yeah I think the part of the reason that some people have trouble understanding that though is because then they people who insist on a utopian view of like how things should be it's like well then why is there you know if there's a god or um it's like why is there suffering why is there hunger why is there all these things and it's like well a that's nature not to excuse like 
abuse and, and things like that. But just in like, generally speaking, that is nature. Um, and then two, it's like, well, also like who, who among us is taking responsibility for those things? Okay, well, this just gets me to this place of wondering what Pluto and Aquarius might be like, of like mm. Pluto's obsessive qualities and the just like utopian, like justice kind of mm-hmm. orientation that Aquarius can kind of get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I was telling somebody, because I mentioned online that. Um, the U.S. is going through its Saturn and Pluto return. Right. And yeah. um, I feel like, especially because this is an election year, I feel like it could either go really well and get us back on track, or it can go to the other extreme of Aquarius, which is like, you know, um, like a regime. Or, like, some overly, like, conservative, like, fundamental, culty thing going on in the government. Which I don't feel, I mean, maybe I just don't want to feel like that's going to happen. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sincerely hoping that it leans towards the better qualities of Aquarius and not the dogmatic. It will, you know, everything must look perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You, that's like the the wonderful thing about um, astrology is, um, as Stephen Forrest says, is like a, your natal chart or a chart is the map, but not the territory. Mm-hmm. And you can't really know until you get there. So it's all just speculation until mm-hmm. you're there. Yeah, it's fun playing guess though. It. I mean, it makes me feel better. <laughs> I like to at least try to have a plan, but I have a very, um, very Saturn. Hi. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, um, I think since I've been going to therapy, um, yeah. and learning about that side of things, it's like the way that I got through, not that my childhood was like horrible, but everybody has their shit and it's like, I got through it by understanding that I had a certain amount of control over myself and being like self-sufficient and not, um, not expect, you know, I didn't expect, I knew that if I didn't take care of certain things, nobody would, I guess. So that, that like locus of control. So I'm a very much like locus of control type of person, which is very antithetical to what I'm supposed to be doing with a Pisces North node. But this is where it's so like, this is where it's such a good example of how the South node is so helpful. I was going to get on those stories the other day and talk about this because me writing that paper, my Gemini South node really came in handy because I've read so many fucking books Mm -hmm. and like I've, I've just, like, I've had my own experiences, and I've also read so many books that, like, I was just kind of prepared to write it, because I have a South, I have a Gemini South node, Mm -hmm. that's just, like, yeah, all the information, yeah, and so, like, that was really helpful, and for you, like, your South node, like, you need your South node, like, Mm -hmm. the, the whole, like, the illustration of the North and South nodes with, like, the of like a bow and arrow of like the arrow the south node being like the the 
feathered part of mm-hmm. the arrow and the north node being the pointed the the arrow head it's mm-hmm. like you need the back part mm-hmm. of the arrow for the front part to go anywhere yeah. so yeah i i that whole like we've got to get away from our south node i'm like no you, you don't just have to I integrate it south node. yeah yeah okay have you ever uh, heard of james hillman i i uh, showed you this book the revisioning psychology james hillman that name sounds very familiar yeah yeah um i'd be curious what you thought about it maybe this is conversation for a different time but he talks about um i haven't read the whole thing because my south node is in gemini <laughs> i have to read all the things a little bit at a time <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> um but i he talks about integration and the mono and polytheism like of psychology i believe and how like integration is this like monotheistic psychology that i just must integrate everything into one thing Mm -hmm. and polytheistic psychology is more of like i am so many things and that can just be Mm -hmm. and just accepting all of those things at a time is just like fine Mm -hmm. but maybe someone listening is more um more brushed up on james hillman and would disagree that with me on what he's saying there yeah well I don't I don't know because I haven't read him but I feel like um I I think the idea of um having quote-unquote like your true self or the self as though it is one-dimensional which is very indicative of like our social online culture of like you need to be this one thing and you can never contradict it and it has to be it's like this monolithic perception of like this is all that I am and I'm like that is really fucked up like I think there's something to be said for cohesion or union in the sense of like being aware of all of your different pieces and parts and hopefully having a harmonious um, way of moving through the world that like that's where integrating the shadow comes in. It's like, well, if I know, um, like, like the way that Brian and I communicate in our relationship, if I know that I'm just pissy that day, I just say it. Right. And I'm like, it's not about you. I love you, but I want to stab people in the face today. And I know that about myself. So then because I said it, I, I put it out there. It's like, it's not this monster that I'm trying to like right. shove down in the basement of myself. Right. Yeah. But it's still there. It's like, you're not denying it. So not denying, like people are very nuanced and complex. And I hate how social culture now deems that everything has to be, everybody has to be this one. Yeah. Like monolithic personality. That's just, you know, that's all you are. And if you deviate from that in any way, then how dare you? Mm-hmm. And I know that you find that very boring and also very unjust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's like a, whenever you were talking about that and while I was responding, I was also thinking that there's kind of like a, I don't, there's like this, um, not nihilistic, but yeah, this kind of like nihilistic quality about that, 
like the whole there's I don't know if you'll say this and I feel pressure but like I don't I don't think it's nihilistic there's like a, a nihilism mm-hmm. about like just being one um one kind of self like what's very whole, limiting yeah the whole thing just like puts is just like kind of like destroyed or like uh neglected for the sake of this one way mm-hmm. of being perceived. Mm-hmm. so like i guess that's where the annihilation i was putting yeah. that yeah yeah hmm I feel like this is going very well to have a Mercury-Neptune conjunction today. I kind of think that this could be, like, a really, like, like, great, like, it doesn't have to be, like, brains falling out. Like, Neptune just kind of wanders around and is like, la, 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 mm-hmm. la, la, la. Just Especially kind of like, in Pisces. Yeah, it's just like a meander, so yeah. it's fitting to me. Well, I feel like that's how the best conversations happen anyway. It's like if you're too scripted or too... I think it's good to have, like, a general direction. But at the same time, like, I love tangents. But I'm a fire mercury, so I'm just, like, pew, pew, <laughs> like, everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and these, like... Yeah, I, I'm thinking about my air mercury. I feel like fire, fire and air... I really like being a fire and air predominant person mm-hmm. with a little bit of earth. But you're the same way, right? Yeah, I think I have more earth than I thought, though. Cause, well, because of that Capricorn stellium. But the dominance of my personality. I mean, fire, rising, sun, air, moon, air, Venus. Well, and it's all in your name, too. Like, summer, fire, breeze, air. <laughs> I used to hate my name. Well, hate is a strong word. It used to embarrass me because it, it's unusual and people would be like, oh my God. And I'm just like, don't look at me. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. I don't know if that's my Lilith, like my yeah. Lilith and Leo, but I love Leos. So, Lilith is such a mystery, man. Yeah. Like, it's so... I find myself never quite resonating with Lilith interpretations because I'm like, well, number one, Lilith is so misunderstood to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, like, how could we, like, name an asteroid Lilith? I mean, perhaps, perhaps, like, it's just going off the misunderstanding. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm always, like, I, I don't want to, like, bear down too much on, like, what Lilith supposedly is astrologically, because I just don't think most of us quite get it. Mm-hmm. She's still pretty new. Yeah. She's an enigma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't put her in a box. Yeah, maybe she's more related to Neptune. Mm, maybe. I like, I like that about um, when I started listening to Chris Brennan's podcast. Hi. I know it's so good but he like I didn't um I guess I never really thought to like I knew that astrology was this ancient science and all of that but I 
up in, up into a certain point, like most of my um, reference for it was more modern. Right. Um, and then because of his work, I started getting into like all the ancient stuff. And it's interesting to think about how the, you know, like Neptune, we can't see Neptune. And it's like, it is that abstract, foggy, weird planet. And it's a, a place in your chart where you aren't the most in touch with reality. Although I do, and I'm biased in saying this, I do think that Neptune and Capricorn is the most grounded version of Neptune. Mm. Well, Neptune, okay, first, I agree. I really like listening to Chris Brennan's The Astrology Podcast really took me from like a more modern approach to a more traditional, like Hellenistic, which has totally changed how I like use astrology and read with it. But also like, I really still like some modern things. Like I still mm -hmm. really dig evolutionary astrology. Mm -hmm. And like Robert, Robert Hand says, he's like, which one is more true, French or German? Like right. they all kind of like, disagree but they all like there's still a lot of resonance mm -hmm. um but with neptune like neptune can be all about delusion but also its highest function is to like is to bring us reality is to help us see through the fog and get to what is real mm -hmm. so yeah neptune in Capricorn, I feel can accomplish that really well. But what do you think about the Neptune Uranus conjunction in Capricorn? Um, hmm. Well, I can't, it's hard for me to know what that's like separate of Saturn because I have all three very close together. Right. So I feel like inevitably my perception of that is also peppered with Saturn, but I, um, Uranus is I feel like everybody I know that has Uranus and Capricorn especially is like, fuck tradition, you know, just like down with the man. Um, and I like that. Um, but I feel like when I do people's charts that have those three planets together in Capricorn, if you think about people of that generation, it's like how many of us are self-employed or um, are you know, our approach to like earning a living or life in general is so far removed from what our parents and our grandparents did. But it's also like, I feel like Neptune and Capricorn has an advantage because it, its dreams are realistic and it knows that it has to work for things. Whereas I struggle, we're like way off topic, but I don't care. Um, I struggle with people that the next generation that have Neptune and Aquarius because they're so far gone. I'm just like, do you live here? Like, <laughs> like they have, um, they have, they're a lot of the ones I know their aspirations are very much tied into social media and like, Oh, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to, you know, but they, they struggle to like make that a reality. Or they just think that maybe it's the Aquarius thing, like, oh, this will just be given to me in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it makes sense, too, with, like, the influencing, the social, the YouTube, like, the, <laughs> I'm putting, like, the in front of those words, very, like, old. Um, <laughs> the YouTubes! <laughs> such, like, communal things, but this is where, this is where, like, traditional astrologers are, like, 
the modern system doesn't work. But I'm like, but the 11th house really does have that Aquarian vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Like, but that's where like that, it does work in some cases, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. in all. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm. We're going to have to do so many more episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fine by me. Um, I've got, I still have a lot of homework to do. Um, papers to do, but so I should go soon. Okay. Well, is there anything else, like if there's one thing centered around your paper or like what you were trying to say there about like having a, um, real doesn't feel like it does this statement justice, but like a real experience of quote-unquote God, like, what, yeah, if you want to say anything related to that, like, or maybe even uncomplicating it, because I feel like you and I have a very uncomplicated relationship to that, and that's probably why we mesh so well. It's like, it's not this thing that's so far away, but but trying to give voice to that can be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and thank God it's hard to, like, talk about it in words like I said in the paper like I really like that about quote God but it's also it just makes it tricky Mm -hmm. um but essentially my whole paper at my school um the the prompt was just like I go to theology school it's like a psychology theology school but this school is really insistent on trying to like for people to try and deconstruct their like theologies mm-hmm. um I did I did that like upon like way way before coming to the school but I'm just giving context to this paper yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> the paper is and I'm just, like being a Leo and I'm like I'm not Christian okay please don't misunderstand me which is fine but I really it's just like I really like Christianity mm-hmm. and it has just a purpose for me. It's not like what I find myself being devoted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a language. But anyway, it's the paper was about the theology of hospitality and the hospitality of God. And I was just thinking about how hospitality is usually like in like a biblical New Testament kind of like context is usually pointing to like it can be taken as like a kind of like a code of conduct. But what I think that like Jesus is really getting at is like hospitality isn't like something to just do. It's not like a moral, like I'm going to be a good person if I'm hospitable. Hospitality brings you to the now. It's about like being hospitable to what is in front of you here and now and I think that's the difference between like the quote the kingdom of God which I really just think is life itself and all of its magic which is so mundane and so not mundane at the same time Mm -hmm. like this paradoxical like everything is here and nothing is here kind of place um but like hospitality is like what opens you up to that and i think like people think of hospitality like in that context as a way to getting like approval from god or like this kind of like good merit 
kind of thing. It's like a good deed, but really like where it, it is what we are. Like a lot of the people that I quoted in that paper, it's like hospitality just opens you up to what you already are, which is God. And you are already here in the kingdom. It's like, it's not a way to God. It's just like a, once, once you get there, just somehow and and not through like devotion or trying to practice it so that you can be good but just doing it just just doing it it's it's hard to explain like just being (laughs) just being yeah just being hospitable once you're there once you're hospitable to to whatever like to your own pain, to your own fears, to a new lover, to just like someone from a different country. Like it all, it all kind of like grounds you in the like spontaneity of the now. And once you're in the now, you can see that everything's here. Mm-hmm. So like that's, that's essentially all that I said mm-hmm. um, is just that like, it's, I don't think that it's about doing shit. It's about just, getting here and then once you're here it's just like oh I've always been here I have never had to reach outside of myself for me and what a relief Mm -hmm. it is such a relief and all like pretense like that's like what is so humbling about the quote the kingdom is like it's not once you get there all of this phony like pretentious despairing of like about how we're so great or so not great, all of that just kind of like becomes so irrelevant to what we actually are. So I'm just rambling now. But I, it reminds me of um, this moment. And it's funny, it's like, kind of like what you said, like you're not always supposed to do things like to try to get there and make things happen. And it's like experience my in my personal life not all but most of my experiences of like something much bigger were they just happen very unexpectedly and you're like oh um when you're doing very mundane things and I thought about this moment years ago I was with Scotty um and we were playing mini golf in Florida we went to see my mom and there was this other family ahead of us playing and I don't know what country they were from, but the grandmother, um, had, you know, was very modestly dressed, even though it was Florida and, um, had this like kind of like Eastern European handkerchief over her head and was just tiny. And she's just sitting there and smiling. And she decided to come down the steps. I guess, I don't know if she was just like, going back to the car or what, but she was just coming down the steps towards us. And, you know, you see another person and you acknowledge them. Although now I feel like sadly in American culture, that's weird. Um, Just to like give a friendly nod. But I saw her and she was walking past us and came up to Scotty and she was so like just radiant and she patted his face and she didn't say anything. And because I'm sure she didn't speak English, but she didn't have to say anything. And it was just like the sweetest, most genuine human moment. And I was like, oh my God. You know, and it like I still think about it yeah. years later. And I'm like, that, that, you know. 
but like that's hospitality. It's just like she just was so you know she didn't know us or anything, and she's just like oh, just yeah, a little so tap open. on the face, yeah. And I was oh my god, like it just really stuck with me. It was such a nice moment. Mm, that's a really sweet story. I love that. I still think about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What you may have already said it, but what exactly touched you? Because there wasn't. Um, there wasn't a need for words. There wasn't a need for language. Everything was conveyed in that moment, and it was so unscripted and unrehearsed and just pure. It was like just a very pure, spontaneous expression of connection. Right. And it didn't need anything. So that was really sweet. Yeah. It's just like a a big relief but I almost wanted to say like a moment like that is its own kind of like amen yeah well yeah I mean it just I think that's why it stuck with me is like god if we could all just be like that I mean it's really hard and it's never gonna really happen but it's nice when it does yeah and I feel like that kind of experience like that is its own meeting of god at a mini golf course like Amen. you know <laughs> so north known third house right here yes so i i appreciate that and i think above all else i guess the reason i wanted to talk about this besides just talking to you in general is um i think all like there's all this abstraction wrapped up around the notion of like god or the universe or divinity or magic or and i'm like it's just it's smoke and mirrors like you don't need that right it's already here you don't have to do the you know yeah well and it already it all just comes out of this perception that we're separate that all of this exists outside of us mm -hmm. but and and so far away and we have to accomplish and achieve all of these things to get there but i feel like that's what is actually so redemptive is that you just realize there is a chance of like realizing like it's already all here mm -hmm. it's not the only reason why it's mystical is I think we've talked about this before in regards to magic like it just seems that way it just mm -hmm. seems like magic when really it's just this very ordinary thing that mm -hmm. we just haven't been able to put our finger on precisely yeah or thinking that like you don't already have it yeah. Or that you don't, or like you have to do, that's very Mars and Libra, <laughs> like, like you, you know, you don't have to do, like, I don't want to, this is probably like off on a tangent for a whole other episode, but like when I first got into like occult stuff and I thought I had like, oh, I have to do these really elaborate rituals and it was fun, but then at a certain point it was just like, I don't, I don't got to do that anymore. Like, yeah. It's, it's to get you, it's kind of like the boat to get you there, but then... You don't need it anymore. And it's so sweet that we've got these boats that are so helpful for us when we need help. And yeah. that we get so committed to them. Like, we're so... You're like, I so love my boat. <laughs> help me. Yes, I will get in the boat. And thank, thank goodness we've got boats. Mm -hmm. Like, good. I'm, I'm so glad that there is process. Yeah. Time in these, like, mystical, like, kind of, like... It, it's just kind of cute in some like areas of mysticism to put down time, but as as it doesn't exist or whatever. But I'm like, time is such a beautiful.
beautiful thing like the way that it carries and can change things like Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that time that we've got that because it it's such a gift that like things are carried and that things Mm -hmm. change and time is the ways that like is kind of like the container for that to happen and it ha- well, and it has to unfold. It's like that's. I think that's why I don't like instant gratification because like there's no, um, there's no journey there. There's no work there, and it's like I think the expectation of that robs people of a lot. Yeah, of their own dignity, of mm-hmm. their own like knowing that they can do something. Mm-hmm. Their own Saturnian quality. Oh, Lord, <laughs> the Time Lord. <laughs> really it's just summer breeze Duncan right here (laughs) Saturn is a she Saturn I just love it I mean I got that's one of the well like side note Saturn story I have always loved Kali the goddess Kali and didn't know until after I had loved her for a long time that she's associated with Saturn and I got I have a huge tattoo of her on the back of my leg and I started it during my Saturn return thinking like okay maybe if I do this as like a sacrifice you'll like get off my nuts (laughs) and the day I got her finished I felt this like relief and release and then in hindsight like a month or two later, I looked, and the day I got her finished was the day that my Saturn return was officially over. Oh, my God. And I was it like, Ooh. Like, This is the thing. Like, astrology is always happening. And as Claire Gallagher, our friend, the Bobby astrologer, she's <laughs> always talking about how, like, it it doesn't, like, it's always happening. You're mm-hmm. always in, in tune with the astrology like you don't have to plan for it it's just gonna happen Mm -hmm. I love that about astrology there's so much pressure sometimes to just get in line with it but like it's always just happening well it's gonna happen either way exactly yeah Yeah, you're always in tune with it and that's so beautiful that everything is that connected Mm -hmm. that's why we love it Mm -hmm. it's not separate (laughs) no it's not Well, thanks for humoring me. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. It's always nice hanging out with you. We will do it again. I'm sure we'll come up with more things to unravel. (laughs) Maybe we should talk about emptiness. Yes, let's do that next time. My Aquarius moon would like that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) My Pluto aspects would like that very much. (laughs) Well, good luck with your homework. Yeah, good luck with your quarantining. We're getting there. <laughs> I, clearly, I'm keeping myself amused, so. Yeah, yeah, that's really all it's about, I guess. Oh, okay. Right. Well, thank you, Taylor. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Take care. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So kudos if you managed to um, follow our very meandering conversation. Um, Taylor is one of my best friends, and that's kind of how all our talks go. Um, But it's always a good time, and I feel like I learn a lot from her. So thanks for listening. Um, I'm sure 
we'll be back soon with some more uh, tangents to, to go off of. <laughs> Take care.